0: at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.
1: Well, I'm excited. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to speak to you. And we're in this incredible series called Uncommon Gifts. Uncommon Gifts. Learning about what an uncommon gift is. Learning about how they can be utilized. How do we recognize them? Why has God put them into place? How can we be better stewards of them? And I want to take you back to an uncommon gift. So my mother, somewhere around 18 years old, started being real petty. And uh, I call it petty. I call it bogus. She called it love. We disagreed. Every Christmas, my family isn't the best gift-giving family, okay? I'm going to set the stage for you. We are that family where everybody gets the same thing. So, like, when you... Families, like I go to my wife's family, they're amazing. Everybody gets a different gift. It's hand-picked just for you. They thought about it. They put some time into it. No, this is just for you. No one else here got this. Don't come to my family house expecting a specialized gift. My family, everybody going to get the same size box. And you all sitting there and you looking like, why your stuff look just like... And I would open my box and it would be typically a pair of them Kmart special house shoes. The ones that say size 9 to 12. <laughs> that you might be able to fit if you put three more pairs of socks on. And you would open it up and you'd look at it and you'd be like oh, oh well, thank, thank you grandma. Okay, that's, that's awesome. And then your cousin would open their box and it'd be the same pair of shoes. And then your aunt would open it and it's the same pair. Like, no thought. So my mother every year would buy me thermal underwear and I would be so mad. So remember, I'm like 17, 18, 19 years old. You can't be cool wearing thermal underwear. As a guy, you can't get no phone numbers if you got on thermal underwear. I can't go out and let my friends know I got on thermal drawers. Really? I'm trying to be a man. We handle the cold. We don't put on no extra underwear. Every year, my mama for Christmas would hand me this bag. And I'd be like, mama, now we talked about this last year. Now, you got me something different, right? And she, <laughs> I'd open that thing up and it'd be another pair. Thermo shirt, thermo underwear, long legs, tuck them into your socks. You're going to need these one day. No, I'm not. Quit buying these for me. My mama should not be buying me underwear. Especially in front of all these other folks that's sitting here looking at this. And I remember somewhere around, I think I was 24, 25 years old. Anybody heard of the term the hawk? Okay, so for for my young folks, it's like the hawk, yeah, the bird? No, (laughs) no, not the bird. The hawk is what we call the wind when you walk outside thinking it's warmer than it is. And I was about 24 years old. I remember getting up to go to work. I don't like being cold already, so I got on clothes. I got on my coat, my hat, my gloves. I went outside, and it was like I didn't have nothing on. That wind hit me so hard, and I was like, oh, my Jesus. I can't go outside today. I'm supposed to go to work. I need to shovel snow. I got stuff I need to do. And this light bulb went on my head. Bing. My mama's gift is in the house somewhere. My mama got a, mama, please don't have let me down this year. Because I had quit opening her stuff, y'all. I ain't going to even lie to you. She give me gifts. I be like, yeah, whatever. Throw it in the car. I went and found the bag, and I'm praying, Jesus, like a magic trick. Lord, when I open this bag, (laughs) please, please let my mama not have let me down. And when I pulled out them thermal underwear with that big old Kmart special sign on the front, when I tell you me and Jesus had a praise party that morning, I put them things on and I went outside and just stood in the wind. Don't feel nothing. You can't touch me today. Now, them things about gave me a heat stroke when I went to work. <laughs> I was sitting in my office sweating. <laughs> but it was an uncommon gift for an uncommon situation. And she would always tell me, one day, you gonna thank me for this and I'm like but that's not today <laughs> and I remember calling her laughing because I already knew I was like I gotta call her I gotta tell her and she gonna talk about me I already know and I was like mama it was cold outside today and she's like yeah it was I said I went outside and that wind hit me and I was ready to give up on life <laughs> And she said, yeah, I know what you mean. I said And mom, I had to pull out them thermal underwear. She's like, I told you you was going to need them things one day. Thermos. An uncommon gift. That I didn't even know I was going to need or utilize, but that was laying in the back of my closet. Waiting to be called to the forefront of my life. To save me from both of the hawks that was outside that day. And I want to jump into some scriptures. We're talking about uncommon gifts and the importance of understanding that uncommon gifts are made for uncommon situations. So we're going to jump into the story of David in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. And it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. We're going to skip down to verse 6, which says, When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse said, "There is still the youngest. But he's out in the fields watching over the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. I need you to understand who Samuel was in this context. Samuel is the prophet of God who literally advises the king on what to do and what not to do. It would be no different than the vice president of the United States walking into this building. It's a big deal. When Samuel showed up, people got fearful because they didn't know what God might be sending him to say or sending him to do. David's family was a very important family. They believed Jesse was actually the, the head of the Sanhedrin. Jesse sets a table. They're having a party for Samuel. Food is laid out. How do I know? Because Samuel says we're not even going to eat till David get here. Everybody been invited to the party except David. Has anyone in here ever felt forgotten? Has anyone in here ever felt overlooked? Felt like your family doesn't treat you quite like they treat everybody else? Felt like The gifts and the talents that you bring to the table aren't being valued. If something were to happen to you, nobody would really care. This was part of David's story. Jewish historians teach that David actually was an illegitimate son in one way, shape, or form. How? All the details? I can't tell you. I'm just telling you what history says. And that whether it was his mother who stepped out or whether it was his father who did some stuff on the side. David was born in a situation that automatically made him an outcast. If you look through Psalm chapter 69, commentators believe that David was writing about his family and his experiences while growing up. He talks about being the talk of the town and not in a good way. He talks about being mistreated by his brothers and feeling like an alien. He talks about them putting things in his food, being treated as an outcast. It's possible, even as a shepherd, that he was banished to the goats and the sheep with the hope that something bad would happen to him while he was out there. Well, we can't get rid of you, but hey, if one of them animals get a hold of you, well, hey. Because being a shepherd was not a safe profession. Banished. But here's the first thing that God wants you to know about uncommon gifts. Uncommon gifts. Uncommon gifts are many times perfected in obscurity. God uses the shadows to give us an opportunity to work on things that we're going to need in our future. What I love about David, he's better than some of us. Some of us would get mad, we'd get angry, and we would look at God and say, you're not treating me right, and our family, and we'd be angry. David went to work. While David was a shepherd, David started writing songs. While David was a shepherd he started writing poetry. While David was a shepherd on the backside of the mountain by himself David started learning how to play musical instruments. The Bible says he was skillful. Where well, you think he had the time to become skillful in obscurity. David became an expert with a sling in a rock in obscurity. And sometimes we get angry at obscurity. We get mad that we feel like we're being looked over, but the reality is God is actually hiding you with his hand. He's saying, no, you're not ready yet. Matter of fact, you got some stuff you need to work on. So right here, when no one's looking at you, there are no expectations. You have no responsibilities to any of this. We're going to start working. Now I don't know if any of you have ever had them time, have you ever done something silly or crazy or stupid and it backfired in your face, but nobody was around to see it and you thank God for it? So I had a time, y'all, I hit, I think I was 12 or 13 years old, and my friends was daredevils. We had a play set in the backyard of our house. They would come over, they'd do backflips off the monkey bars, flip off the swing, you know, get on the swing, backflip out of it and land on their feet and do all type of craziness. And my mama used to always tell me, don't you be out there doing that. Don't you do that crazy stuff they out there doing. You be done, broke your neck. I don't know why black folks always think you're going to break your neck. Like Anybody else's family always tell you, you're going to break your neck. Like, There's other parts of my body, but my neck was always the issue. And their way of healing your neck was to make you go take a nap. Like, I don't understand that either. Go somewhere and lay down. Broke your neck. (laughs) I decided I wanted to backflip off the monkey bars like everybody else. And I remember getting my butt up on the monkey bars, and what didn't look so high looked real high from standing up there. I slipped and fell and got my leg wedged into one of the monkey bars. Y'all, I'm upside down dangling by a leg in the backyard, stuck. I can't call for help because she going to whoop me if she find out what I was doing. <laughs> you ever been one of them situations? You can't even ask for help. You got, I got to figure this out because if I call and I scream, first she going to laugh at me, then she going to go get the belt. I'm dangling And I felt my legs start to slip. Y'all, when I tell you I landed somewhere about near broke my neck. (laughs) And I remember laying there on the grass, looking up at the sky. And all I could think of is thank God, ain't nobody else here to see this. (laughs) And this is what God does for us in obscurity we get to make mistakes. We get to try some things out. We get to figure out what we're good at and what we're not good at. You find out some stuff, well, I ain't going to never do that again. Thank God that nobody see that. Y'all might never put me in position if you knew I did that. We get to practice. We get to gain confidence in the shadows so that when the time comes that God decides to reveal us to the world, we're able to step boldly out and David, as an uncommon gift, perfected in obscurity. And I love the way God does this. Because what we see as being forgotten, he says, you just in the green room. Don't even worry about it. You getting ready to hit the stage. We just got to get some things prepared before we put you out there. Let's jump back into some scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 17, 17 through 20. One day Jesse said to David to take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and to carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse has directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Now, there's some things that you may not know by just reading that passage. But in between these chapters that I've read, some things have happened to David. He was anointed as the next king in front of his family. Any of y'all got some jealous family members? (laughs) Some of the worst haters in the world can be right in your own family. They start finding out good stuff that happened to you. Some of my family, I just don't tell them certain stuff. No, you don't even need to know. When it happened. you'll see it. David is in this situation with his brothers. where well, they know he's been nominated as the next king. David, in the obscurity, has been practicing to become a skilled musician. Well, Saul has been tormented by a spirit. And one of his advisors look at him and say, you know what we should do? We should find a great musician and have him come in and play for you to drive the spirit away. And Saul says, that's a wonderful idea. Who would you suggest? And it's funny how God drops people's names in places. There's a man named Jesse who has a son named David who's a skilled musician and a man of war. David comes in for the audition. He's been practicing with nothing but the sheep, not knowing he was preparing to play in front of the king. The audition kills it. Saul says, Well, I ain't about to let you just go home as good as you are. Saul moves him into the palace, he makes him his private musician, his personal musician, as well as his armor bearer. So, in this story, where I caught up, David is making a choice to go back home to help his father. Now, remember this is the same father that didn't invite you to the party. (laughs) Some of y'all petty. You wouldn't have been going home to help him do nothing. But as Bishop taught a couple months ago, he was living in a place of honor, in a place of obedience. Regardless of how he felt, regardless of how he was looking at things, he said, I'm going to honor my father by returning home from time to time. How can I serve you? His dad looks at him. Grab that bucket over there. There's some bread and some cheese in it. I want you to take it to your brothers. Them same brothers that's been talking about me. Them same brothers that used to mess with my food. Them same brothers that really could care less about what happened to me. Now, some of y'all, <laughs> that'll ask you to take that basket down there to them brothers. That food wouldn't it nowhere near them brothers. <laughs> you'd have grabbed that food, maybe you'd have ate it yourself. Some of y'all wouldn't mind but did something to the food. I'll tell the first service, y'all better be careful how you treat these folks that serve your food. Look, y'all know I have trouble here in Milwaukee. We had this conversation last time I was up here about me, Popeye's, and Chick-fil-A, okay? Well, I got another problem. Me, Burger King, and McDonald's don't get along either. Every time I go to McDonald's, my first question, is your ice cream machine even working today? That's how I start out the conversation. And when they tell me no, because I know it's not, <laughs> typically I drive off. What I don't do is talk crazy through the intercom and then place my order. Well, y'all crazy, man. Why don't y'all need to get stuff fixed? Can I get a number four uh, and make sure my fries are fresh? Oh, they're going to be fresh all right. They're going to put some of that extra seasoning on there just for you. You know, these are the best fries I've had. They must be doing something different. Oh, they were. <laughs> but these are the realities that David was dealing with. He has to bring food to folks he possibly don't even like. And this is where the second point of this message comes in. Uncommon gifts are often positioned through obedience. And we miss our opportunities to be utilized because we refuse to be obedient to the leadership God has placed over us, to the people that God has placed in our lives, to the ones that we should be listening to, even when we don't like it. I got news for you. Someone tells me to do something that I was planning on doing anyway. That's not obedience. That's called agreement. (laughs) Pastor Jay, here's $100. I want you to go to the store and get you something that you want. Yes, God. (laughs) Amen. I'm in agreement with you. I'm heading to Walmart right now. Now, you give me $100 and say, I want you to go buy so-and-so something. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Who? Obedience is, you don't even see the reality of obedience until it's something you don't want to do. Something you would rather not do. Something that's out of your way. True obedience, and this is why God said obedience is better than sacrifice. Because we as Christians sometimes, well, God, I'm sacrificing time. God, I'm sacrificing my gifts. I'm sacrificing my abilities. He says, but I need you to be obedient. Yes. Yes. Obedient to your leaders. If they're not telling you to sin, that's the only time you got a right to be disagreeable. Well, now, you can voice your opinion, but I advise you, be obedient. Be obedient. Because what God does, as in this this story, he didn't show up to David that morning, tap David's door. David, my son, I just want you to know, I'm going to do some great things through you today. There's an incredible battle that's being waged, and I'm going to use you to drive the Philistine army out. Grab your sling, grab your rock. We're going to make a dent for Jesus today not how he works instead he utilizes David's father to start ordering David's steps to bring him to the battle that will be remembered forever David take this basket down to your brothers and in grabbing his picnic basket and skipping down that street with some bread and some cheese he shows up in time for a battle that he would have missed Because he was obedient to his father and lived in a place of honor, he happened to go home that day to help with the goats and the sheep and got sent to the forefront of a battle to check on some people that couldn't care less about him. Obedience. And I'm here to tell you that your obedience is going to dictate your level of promotion. Some of you need to hear that and you need to understand that. The level of the height that you want to go to is tied directly to your obedience. Can you do the things that God is requesting of you through other people? Because see, if an angel showed up and asked you to do it, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> You'd break your neck trying to hurry up and go do what they asked you to do. But why can't God use your boss? Why can't God use your parents? Why can't God use your pastor? Why can't God use he can? A lot of times we simply want to ignore the words of God that are coming through other people's mouths. And we miss our opportunities to be utilized in the battles that he wants us to fight because we simply refuse to follow in his obedience. I need you to understand in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's a reality that God, nobody can stop what God has for you except you. Some of y'all are looking at folks and you're saying, man, if I had another opportunity, if I had a chance, if they would give me a title, if they would give me an opportunity, if they'd put me up front, if they'd give me a mic. Forget all of that. Can't nobody stop you from doing what God has called you to do except you. Getting outside the will of God, not walking in his path. When he said the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Your job is just to live righteous. And he said, I will place things in your path when you need them. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 48 through 50, it said, As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. And reaching to his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Do you understand that this was a setup from the beginning? From the moment David was born into his family, Jesus had a plan from day one. He says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. You've been born into your family for a reason, David there's some things you're going to have to go through that are going to prepare you for who I'm calling you to be. You're not going to like all of them. We say the phrase, what the devil meant for bad, God meant it for good. But then when we go through the bad, we don't want to look for God's good out of any of it. David's experiences gave him some uncommon qualities. As a shepherd, any of y'all ever fought a bear before? Raise your hand. Anybody fought fought a bear? Lawrence, you probably did fight a bear back in, you probably did, because you done did everything. Lawrence told me some stories, and I I still don't know if they true. But he, (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine David's first battle with a bear? He ain't never did this before. But after he whooped the bear, And a lion showed up, and he's like, nah, this ain't a bear. (laughs) But I did whoop a bear. I wonder if this Jesus thing will work on this lion. Because see, in obscurity, when God starts answering your prayers, and he starts bringing you into a place of confidence of who he is, not who I am, who he is, there's a place of confidence that I start walking in. Now, I'm going to call out some of y'all right now. Anybody in here? You know you like to play spades. We got any spades players in the house? You can raise your hand. It's okay to play spades. You're not going to hell. Y'all, some of y'all are like. <laughs> I do, I do. Now, if you renig, that might send you there. But no. <laughs> if you play spades, there's sometimes you can get a hand that's almost like, man, like somebody stacked the deck for you. Like if you've ever had a cold partner, not the bootleg partner, the cold one, that know what he doing. That can shuffle them things just right. When you look at your hand and you realize you got nine spades. My spade players are like, oh my God, that would be like heaven. But I'm not talking about the spades like one through nine. I'm talking about you got the big joker, little joker, the ace of spades, the king, the queen, the jack, the ten. You're just walking them down. When you get that hand, I still, I still remember the one time I got a hand like that and I was sitting there and I had to wipe my eyes. I opened my hand and I just started laughing because y'all don't even know what's about to happen to you. You don't know. You're about to get off this table right now. My hand was so cold. I had nine spades from the top down. I had aces in every suit. Some of y'all is like, y'all with me too. Y'all feel that. When I tell you the confidence level that was sitting on me, and I'm one of them petty folks. I took that big joker, I rubbed it on my chest, and I stuck it right on my forehead. You going to sit here and play and watch me look at, you going to look right at this. Because when you've had the deck stacked in your favor, all fear leaves the room. There's nothing any of you at this table have that can beat what I got in my hand. And some of you need to recognize that who you have in your hand, there's nothing the world can send that can beat the deck that's been stacked for you. You're playing with all the aces, baby. You got all the spades. Jesus said, I'll trump everything. I'm the big joker here. I started playing that hand, y'all. And I started talking. Woohoo! Now, I talked trash, but that was one of them hands like, after you're done with that game, you just don't play no more because you know retribution is coming. <laughs> I talked about everybody at the table. I roasted people walking past. Come look at this hand. Come look at this. Come look look at this. There's a confidence that you start walking in. Your posture changes. Your attitude changes. You'll say some stuff you wouldn't have said 15 minutes ago when your hand wasn't looking so pretty. And it's the same way with Jesus. David walks onto the scene and sees a major problem that everyone else is running away from. And David starts looking at his hand. is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? Because I know what's in my hand. You need to check what's in yours. No fear. He's been practicing. David walks onto the battlefield and he says, I'll fight him. Well, you got folks that'll try to Throw some rain on your parade, and you know all of us got some of them people. But David, you're just a boy. He's been a warrior all his life. But David, look, his armor alone weighs more than you. Saul tries to give David his own armor, and David tried it on. And he said, I can't go in this. I'm not used to it. And what I'm here to tell you that God sent me here to say, some of you are trying so hard to walk in the anointing of somebody else. When God has called you to be you, you're trying to walk like somebody else. You're trying to talk like somebody else. You're trying to be like somebody else. You want somebody else's anointing. And God is saying, take that armor off, pick up that sling and this rock, and let's go to war. Just be yourself. We spend so much time battling with insecurities, and that's why Satan fights our mind, because he knows if you ever start to believe the power that God has placed in you, you will wreck things for him. So here's David, who's been practicing in the shadows. Walks onto a battlefield that no one thinks he's prepared for. But God got a way of preparing you. The uncommon gifts that have been created in David that are so different than his brothers. Three of whom are on the front lines refusing to fight. David has an uncommon confidence in fighting things bigger and stronger than him. Because he's been doing it in the shadows. David has a belief that if I just get a rock in the sling, you can't do nothing with me. Because in the shadows, I wasn't wasting my time. David has an uncommon confidence in the God that he serves when he says, the same God that brought me out of the claws of the bear and the lion will rescue me from this Philistine. Uncommon. 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 And I need you to understand that these uncommon gifts aren't just for you. These gifts benefit everyone around you. Do you realize Goliath was shouting at the Israelites saying, send out your best person. And if I win, you become my slaves. David changed the course of a nation. By not wasting his time in the shadows, by living in obedience, and the reality that point number three, God will reveal you in God-ordained moments. Because see, when God brings you to the front of the stage, trust me, the stage has been set. He's already prepared you. He's already qualified you. He's already put everything inside of you that you need to stand up to whatever it is that's standing at that table. No fear is needed or necessary. That's why he says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. We got to quit walking in fear. We got to quit walking in fear. He's made us uncommon. I had a young man that gave me a phone call. And he was like, Pastor Jay, I'm having trouble with my car. I walked outside and my tire's flat. I can't go to work. I can't go nowhere. And I was like, well, blow it up or something. I don't know what you call me for. (laughs) Pastor Jay's got a hole in it. I can't even put air in it. And I can't get the tire off. I don't have like a tire iron or anything. Well, you know, at that point in time, I felt like super pastor. Like, oh, man, you okay, you need my help, okay? Let me go. I'm going to go get my tools. I'm going to go get my stuff out the garage. I'll be right there. I hit Sony up like, you know, sweet. I'm about to go help so-and-so out. You know, I'll be back, you know, about 30 minutes. You know, I went, got my little tire iron, threw my stuff, got my little hydraulic jack, threw it in the car, drove over there feeling all good. I had a flashback to how some of the old people used to talk to me when I was 16, 17 years old. And I don't know, something is happening to me. I don't know, some of y'all didn't warn me. I'm about to turn 40 and I'm finding myself repeating a lot of the stuff that I used to get told. <laughs> I walked up like, "See, this is the problem with y'all young folks, man. Y'all know how to do nothing. You don't even know how to change no tire. Nobody teach you how to change no tire. Come on, man, move out the way. Let me show you how to do this." Just talking. Why? I don't know. That tire iron, man, move out the way. See, this the problem, man. Y'all young folks don't even know what you're doing. And you probably ain't never even changed a tire before. Look at you. I put that thing on that tire. And y'all, when I tell you I pulled and I grabbed, and when I gave it everything I had, <laughs> Pastor Jay, you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm good. Woo! My supposed to look like that. Don't bother that bulge. It's all right. Woo! That thing about made me scream. We went to working on this tire with this tire iron. This one right here that I hate so much now because of this story. Y'all remember I told you there's times when you don't want people to see you fail. Well, I failed, and he, the boy standing right there looking at me, Pastor Dre. Uh, can you get it? Shut up. <laughs> You something else to do, go, go sit in the house. Go get a car, something. I messed with that thing for like 10 minutes. Couldn't get, not nothing. Didn't budge, nothing. So now my little pride is hurt. <laughs> he laughing. I'm ready to slap him because I came here to help you. Now my back hurt. Me and him both grabbed the tire iron. We gonna help each other out. The tire iron started bending. I'm like... What kind of devil is this? <laughs> it's literally bending the tire iron because these lug nuts—I promise you—they were laughing at us. They're like, "Y'all don't know—we've been here through the storm and the rain. <laughs> We've been in place for years through the sleet, the snow, the salt—you name it—we didn't dealt with it, and they were rusted solid, wouldn't move. And in my own, what I thought was super pastor strength, couldn't budget. I got a young 17-year-old boy out there. We can't budget together. Now I'm real mad. Because I got to call AAA. Jesus. I only get two calls to AAA a year, okay? Anybody else got AAA? You cherish them two calls. Because you never know. Now I got to use one of my calls on your tire? If I get stranded, you coming to get me. (laughs) I called AAA... And that tow truck driver showed up, and he looked at us. And obviously, he could look at the tire, and he was like, "Uh, oh, I see you having some trouble. I'm like, you know what, Sherlock? Thank you. We can't get it off. We can't budge this. He was like, okay, well, I, I, I got something for that. This man went to the back of his old rusty tow truck, and he opened a toolbox that I think Jesus himself used. He reached down into the depths of that box. And he pulled out a tool that I know had been sitting there in obscurity for God knows how long. Had been just resting, probably angry, watching other tools come in and out of the box. When is it going to be my turn? You always come get the screwdriver. You always come get the hammer. The jack has been used 95 times. When you going to pull me out? That man went and he pulled out an uncommon gift called a breaker bar. Now, I know you can't feel this, but this bad boy got some weight to it. And I'm like, what is that? He said, yeah, it's a breaker bar. What'd you do with that? Break stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That man went over to that tire And you know, I'm stupid. I'm sitting looking at him. Yeah, he about to throw his back out too wide. (laughs) He looked at my little raggedy tire, threw that thing to the side. He put that breaker bar on that thing. And I heard, You got the tire screaming? This is amazing. We've been out here for two and a half hours. My wife, I had to call her back. Baby, look, I know I said 30 minutes. I lied. (laughs) And I don't know how to even fix this. He started breaking those nuts. And they started squealing. And he said, that's what a breaker bar do for you. It gives you more leverage. A breaker bar is stronger than a tire. It's made to withstand a lot more pressure. Amen. Amen. So that when it meets something that's been in place for a long time and that thing don't want to move because it's rusted solid but you need it to move right now. Yes. You go get you one of these. And as I'm Thinking about this story, God starts reminding me that there are people in this room that he says you have a breaker anointing. God has called you. He's called you. He's qualified you. You've been lying in the bottom of his toolbox waiting for your opportunity. What you don't realize and understand is that the breaker bar is made completely differently than my little old tire iron. This thing right here has been under a heat that that thing couldn't take. And some of you are in a furnace and in a fire and you're wondering why is it so hot in here? And I'm here to tell you, God said I got to turn the heat up so you can withstand the pressure that's about to come on your life. I got to make you stronger. I got to make you better. So that when you come up against this thing called a stronghold. There's some strongholds in your life, there's some strongholds in your family, there's some strongholds in this city. And God is saying, I got to move these strongholds out the way, but they've been there for a long time. They're not trying to move. And you've been fighting the strongholds in your own strength. You partnered up with another person and you say, well, maybe the two of us together can make this happen. And God said, no, some things you need an uncommon solution for. And what we don't realize is that God made us the uncommon gift so that he can go and pull you out of his toolbox and put you up against that next stronghold. And he says, when I grab a hold of you and I start pulling, the stronghold will be Gonna make the devil scream up in here. That's how God works. This thing is there anybody in this house that knows God has made me an uncommon answer? Hallelujah! If you know God has made you an uncommon answer and given you some uncommon gifts, can we give God a shout of praise in this place? Because He's amazing, He's amazing. He brought you out of your situations so that he could use you to bring somebody else out. See, what you don't realize is there are some people that are stuck in some mess. They want to get out, but they're tied up so tight that they can't move. And God calls you to walk onto that situation with your breaker anointing to break some stuff off of some people. Hallelujah. He's called you. He's qualified you. He's made you powerful, much more powerful than you give him credit for. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your chance. You better start practicing as you're being hidden, as God has got his hand over you, as he has you in the background. Why are you thinking you're forgotten? This is not being forgotten. Baby, this is nothing more than play practice right now. You are practicing for the real thing. Make your mistakes now because I'm telling you, when God brings you to the forefront, practice is over. You can't go practice something when it shows up at your door. Hold on, Goliath. I'll be right back. Let me go practice with this sling right quick. That ain't how this story works. God prepares you first. He qualifies you through your obedience second. And then he walks you right to the front of the stage and said, now show them what we've been doing. Here's what I love about God. He says, I will use whatever's in your hand. You don't have to go pick up anything from anyone else. You don't have to be like anyone else. He says, pick up what's in your hand. David, you got a sling? I'll anoint your sling. He said, Moses, you got a staff? I'll anoint your staff. It's not the staff and it's not the sling. It's the God that's on the inside of me. He supernaturally empowers me to do what he's called me to do. I'm feeling this thing right here. I'm telling you, he's called you to be great. He wants you to be great. He wants you to be powerful. He wants you to walk flat-footed up to the next giant and look him in the face and say, I know you big, but my God is bigger. You don't even know what I got in my hand. Playing with a full deck. This is what God has called us to. We all in here are the uncommon gifts. What you think as being weird, odd, unappreciated, The things that make you stick out. The things that people make fun of you for. The insecurities that you face. God is saying I gave them to you as weapons. And the people that don't recognize them can't. Because they wouldn't know how to use them if I gave them to them. Wouldn't know how to use them. What is the gift that God trusts you with? He trusts you. He trusts you with a gift. And the worst thing we can do is not bring it back and offer it to the king. I just want to be in Jesus' toolbox. Amen? I just want to be in a toolbox so that when the time comes and an uncommon situation arises, he walks up to that box and He says, you know what, Pastor Jay? This situation right here, I need something extra. I need something. You know what? I got something for this right here. Hold on. Y'all don't know, you don't realize that I've got a tool that's ready to get to work. He's made you to be great. Stop running from your gifts. If I don't get anything else through to you as I come to a close here, God is, I feel like he's screaming that to me right now. Quit running from your gifts. Your gifts are here to change lives. Your gifts are here to shift atmospheres. Your gifts are here to make people see who God really is. Our gifts bring him glory. And when I walk in my gift, I realize it's not me, and I pass the gratitude back to him. He created us to help set people free. He uses our gifts as leverage. The Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. Jesus. And some of you are running from your weapons. Some of you are fearful of your weapons. Some of you are prideful and won't acknowledge that what God has called you to is actually a good thing. You want to do something else. But you will never have the success with a man-made gift that you could have with a spiritual one given by God. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how good you live your life. The thing that God has anointed you to do will break yokes. 100%. Why? Because it's not you. It's the anointing that flows through you when you use that gift.
0: Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.